Hallmarkies, it's Casey here, and I am so excited to share my interview with Laura Allnett, who is a friend of mine. She has released her first novel, Below Them the Horizon. This coming-of-age novel illuminates the hazards of family, the price of loss, and the guiding light of enduring friendship. So before we get into the interview, I just want to share a quick word from our sponsor, Care Of. Care Of is a wellness brand that makes it easy to maintain your health goals with a customized vitamin plan that helps you feel your best today and supports you long term. Care Of is focused on the quality, science, and research that goes into each of their products and recommendations. Plus, they use wholesome ingredients that you recognize like organic cocoa and pink Himalayan salt. Care Of's easy online quiz helps you find the vitamins and powders that will support your specific health goals like improving your fitness routine or managing stress. The quiz took me just a few minutes and Care-of gave me some great recommendations, including the extra batteries quick sticks, because as a mom of two little ones, I'm always in need of a quick energy boost in the afternoons. Care-of can make taking your vitamins and supporting your health goals attainable, and it's hassle-free as your vitamins and supplements are delivered to you. So what are you waiting for? As the seasons change, it's important to get ahead of taking care of your immune health. It takes about 30 days for your body to adapt to new nutrients, so now is a great time to update your vitamin and wellness routines to help support your immune system this fall. So fall back into a healthy routine. I am so excited to share that Care Of is extending to you a 50% off discount. So for 50% off your first Care Of order, go to TakeCareOf.com and enter code HALLMARKIES50. Again, for 50% off your first Care Of order, go to TakeCareOf.com and enter code HALLMARKIES50. All right, Hallmarkies, let's dive into my interview with Laura Allnut, author of Below Them the Horizon. Welcome back to the Hallmarkies podcast. I'm your host, Casey, and today I have a very special guest for this bonus episode of the Hallmarkies podcast, my friend, Laura Allnut. Laura, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me on here, Casey. So you have just recently released your very first novel correct yes below them the horizon yes that is super exciting congratulations thank you it is very exciting very surreal yeah um so to get to so let's just get to know you a little bit better um can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got started in writing um, I've actually been writing since I was a kid. I know a lot of that's a lot of writers' answers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've talked to quite a few, and they're like, "I've always dreamed about being a writer, secret writer, closeted writer." I was never closeted. My parents knew um, I wanted to write and illustrate. And of course, when I was a kid, I wanted to do children's books because that's what I was reading. And my dad got got me this computer program that was really cool that you could like set up a picture. Mm -hmm. And it had all this digital art. You could like choose a background and you could put different like stickers. Okay. So like you could illustrate your story and I would like write the story to go along with the picture. And that was so fun. I spent hours on that thing. That's so cool. Yeah. I don't, I don't remember that program. (laughs) 
but it sounds really fun. Yeah, I don't know what it was called because I mean, this was back in like the original PC, like huge computer mm -hmm. screens and um, yeah. And I think that's one of the reasons why I've never been really into, because uh, a lot of writers like to write their ideas out in notebooks and they oh. carry notes around and like they'll actually write whole chapters in a notebook. And I've mm -hmm. never, I've never really been that kind of writer. And I think it's because my parents, even back in the nineties, got me into like digital writing pretty early on. That's interesting. Yeah. Cause I know when I was little, I was always like secretly hiding my notebooks and my journals and my purses and <laughs> like write out these tiny little stories and then shove it under my bed. Like, <laughs> but that's so cool. Does it just something that you had always enjoyed or, um, were, were you naturally a reader and then that's how you got into writing or was it just, you know, you were ran off with your imagination as a kid? I think it was all of the above. I mean, one, I had so much energy as a kid, mm -hmm. uh, but I wasn't really athletic. And I think I just channeled that energy into my imagination. Yeah. Uh, and I didn't sleep. I, I hardly slept as a kid. It was one of my mother's biggest griefs. <laughs> Um, and I, so I would just lie awake for hours at night and just bored because I like bedtime was eight 30 or nine and mm -hmm. I wouldn't fall asleep until hours later. And then I always woke up around five or six in the morning and my mom often put books on my nightstand mm -hmm. so that when I woke up, I could just read. And, um, she never, I, a lot of parents do, my sisters do this now. Uh, if their kids aren't tired, they'll let them read themselves to sleep. My mom mm -hmm. didn't that. I'm not really sure. <laughs> so I would just lie in bed and I would imagine stories mm -hmm. like I would actually use my fingers as like characters and like have them talk to each other oh that's so, so cute I think it was just a way to escape boredom mm -hmm. like so just go into the storytelling realm yeah and how was that as you grew older as you you know developed your you know your craft in writing and going forward um, I think as I grew older, like, especially once I became a teenager, writing to me became a way to explore emotions in a way that I didn't feel like I could outwardly exhibit, mm -hmm. not because anyone was like stifling me or anything, but just because teenagers have such a difficult time processing emotions anyway. Mm -hmm. um, it just became an outlet for me to escape what I was feeling and also kind of work through what I was feeling like depending on what mood I was in that day yeah um and then as I became an adult I think that's what I really kind of ran with was that exploration of ideas mm -hmm. and you know really mining yourself for what you know and what you don't know and facing that tension between what you know and what you don't know and kind of figuring it out on the page. And I think that's what makes really um, interesting characters and storylines are those ones that, you know, you're on a journey, you're trying to right. figure something out. Like there isn't an easy answer to this. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And then, so for our listeners here on the podcast, a little fun fact, um, Laura was my Latin teacher in college for a year. That's how we know each other. Um, but my question is, I know you did a shift from teaching to creative, creative writing. Um, was that always in the plans for you? Um, or was that just something that you had decided 
um, you know what, writing is something that I'm super passionate about, and this is something I'm going to pursue. Um, my original plan when I was a senior in college, um, I was an English major and the chair of the English department called me in and she said, what are you going to do with your life? And I said, well, I, I want to write. That's always been what I want to do. And she said, well, you're not going to make a living doing that. Why don't you teach? And then you can write in the summer. And let me tell you, that's a oh. trap. It's a major trap. <laughs> oh. One, you need to be writing throughout the year. You can't just save your writing time for like two months out of the year. It doesn't mm -hmm. work that way. Um, and the teaching life where I was teaching was, it, it was too much work to be able to have an effective writing time. Mm -hmm. You know, so that I tried that for, um, I think I was a teacher for eight years. Oh. <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember how long, how long was it? For when I was, no, it couldn't have been that long. Well, almost, I think it was seven years from the, when I was 22 to 29. Oh, wow. Um, so anyway, I tried it. I mean, I actually got my MFA in writing at that time. Mm -hmm. And then I just realized this is, this is not how that's going to work. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be able to write like all times of the year, not just in the summer. And in the summer, I was so exhausted. I usually took a month off from doing anything. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, teach, I mean, teaching is like, that's a, I don't know that teachers don't get paid enough. That's a lot of work because you're taking stuff home and all that. But yeah, I can totally understand the sentiment because, you know, I've always been one to want to write and want to be the, a writer, but even having a full-time job and I am not a teacher, like it's draining, it's exhausting, you know, it's, it's just, you put a lot of effort and a lot of work into that. And then by the time, like for me, when I'm done at the end of the day, I'm like, okay, I'm going to write something, but I have nothing. Like all the thoughts are swirling up here and yeah. they can't come out on paper. You know, it's, it's, it's a real struggle, but I mean, good on you for at least, you know, trying it and then going and pursuing that. Cause I know there's a lot of people that I've talked to that is like a fear of just stepping out because of the, I don't know. I think it's a, the, the mentality of starving artist for any creative path. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah. Um, I, I will say to anybody who feels overwhelmed with life and not finding time to write, the best time that I have found to write, and it's it's so hard to discipline yourself to do it because if you're not a morning person, it's hard and I'm not a morning person. Um, waking up early. Waking up early is the, it's just the way. <laughs> this is the way. <laughs> um, because it's, the, I, I like the morning because it's that space that I have that I feel like is mine before mm -hmm. the day begins. Because if I wait till the evening, even though I do write in the evening sometimes, I'm just so tired. Like I have all the weight of the day mm -hmm. that's that I'm carrying with me into the evening. And so it's just a lot harder. Yeah. Huh. That that's yeah, you're right. Because you know, mornings for me, and I'm not a morning person all that much either, but I do feel much more like I feel fresh. And I feel like I have a clean, a clean slate, a clean brain. I can, you know, function. Yes. Like nothing has happened yet. That's going to make me like, it's going to cloud my thinking. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Writing. I feel like writers, I feel like we all have this same common commonality of trying to um, like finding our time to write and 
um, beginning that journey of writing, um, what was the journey like for you writing your first book? Um, beyond them, the horizon that just recently released. I know you've been working on it for a really long time. At least it seems like that to me. <laughs> yes, it was a really long time. Yes. Um, Below them, the horizon um, started in my MFA program in 2014. No, 2012. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. So it was a very long time. Yeah. And, um, so it just started with one idea I saw I knew that it was going to be a friendship story mm -hmm. and I knew that the main character lived on the Gulf Shore because the vision I had of her I always saw two girls on the beach but not in the happy beach kind of scene that we always imagine like you know watching the sunset mm -hmm. is all peaceful and because we associate the beach with so much calm and happiness. Mm -hmm. uh, but for her, it was going to be the opposite. Like it was going to be um, a storm on the horizon. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that's that was what I knew when I started. And the, the book took so many, so many different shapes as I was writing it. It was in first person and then it was in third person and then it went back to first person and then finally landed on third person. Um, and I, I did have it for a little while anachronistic so that you you saw scenes from the past and then they would kind of correlate with a scene in the present. Very mm -hmm. like us kind of style. Mm -hmm. um, and that just got to be too confusing. Um, it was, I think it was too hard for a reader to be able to keep up with like the actual mm -hmm. story that was going on. And it just needlessly slows. Like why, why put your reader through that much work? <laughs> right. <laughs> um, I know people do have, use that technique for certain effects, um, but it just, I didn't need it for this book. Mm -hmm. um, so once I got what person, what point of view it, it was going to be in and the chronology, like all of that helped it really fall into place in the more recent years that I was writing it. Mm -hmm. um, and also in the beginning, Lucy did not have mental illness she had multiple sclerosis, which was interesting. I really enjoyed the research that I did for that. Mm -hmm. I actually joined an MS support group for a while mm -hmm. um, and they knew that I didn't have MS. Right, I, right. To observe. And they, I, those people were so eager to tell me their stories and they were so happy to have you know somebody giving them a voice. And I felt bad that I ended up letting that go, but I knew that I was using it as a crutch because I didn't want to write about mental illness. Mm -hmm. Um, and once I let myself, you know, acknowledge that's the real story, like Lucy's, her battle isn't so much a physical ailment, it's a mental ailment. Mm -hmm. um, and that was when the, the story really started taking shape. And I was really able to start putting um, the crux of the story together. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it was an eight year process from start to finish. Wow. Wow. That's, that's a long time. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I'm glad you, I'm really glad you switched the the issue to mental illness, just because I feel like a storm and the ocean, that really just captures mental illness. Because um, yeah. it's like, you know, like you said, everybody sees the beach as like a happy, calming place, but no, sometimes you don't see the turmoil that's, you know, there. Um, and it's a lot, it's, that's how mental illness is. You know, you see somebody and they look perfectly fine on the outside, but you don't know what's going on 
in their head, you know, there's a lot of thoughts and some issues and just, you know, anxiety is a big thing that a lot of people struggle with. And that's what, um, that's what your character Lucy struggled with as well. And I feel like that just, I, I, I like the, I like the setting of the book. I like that it was the ocean and I like that you changed it to mental illness for that reason. Yeah, I really liked what I think what worked really well is what you said, that idea of something may look fine on the surface, but um, of course, as you know, living there on the Gulf, riptides are such a big issue, like mm -hmm. more so than, I mean, they exist on the Atlantic, but not as bad, not nearly as badly as they do on the Gulf. Mm -hmm. And I felt like that was very indicative of what mental illness is like, where somebody looks fine. Like you go to the grocery store and you have no idea who's dealing with what. Um, but there's always that storm, like that danger beneath the surface that you don't see. Mm -hmm. so, yeah, I, I really liked how that imagery worked out. And I also really liked um, the ability to use water and the idea of drowning mm -hmm. to symbolize anxiety. Um, one of my readers, one of my friends who read the book after it was published, um, has never battled mental illness, which... Um, it's wonderful for her but she says she wasn't she didn't really know what it felt like to have mm -hmm. that kind of like panic attack and anxiety and she said the description of somebody drowning always feeling like you're drowning um helped make her aware of what mental illness is like mm -hmm. and i think like for one that's that was so touching to me to know that i was able to help like somebody understand what it feels like for all the people who do suffer from it mm -hmm. um but it just kind of validated that decision to use, to set it on the golf. Like the setting wasn't just there, you know, as a prop for the character, but it actually worked with the character and kind of even served as a character mm -hmm. in the story. It really did. And it worked really, really well. Um, and you know, I, I also appreciated the, the drowning um, idea of it being a picture of the mental illness and the anxiety, because I mean, when I was reading, um, and spoiler alert, yeah. pause right here, if you haven't gotten this book, you can go buy it on Amazon and Barnes and Nobles and wherever books are sold. Yes. Um, but there's a moment where Lucy has a panic attack and she, I think she's in high school. And like, I could feel myself like, oh, <laughs> like getting all like worked up for her. Um, and like, there's moments that she goes to the ocean. And again, like I am, I'm, I'm feeling that, like I'm empathizing with her character. Um, and then also, you know, living on the Gulf and knowing how the Gulf can be. It's very unpredictable at times too. Um, it was just, it was so well written. Um, I feel like this, your book, um, can people who suffer from mental illness, I feel like they would appreciate it just because it's like, it's, it empathizes with them. They, it knows what that person's going through. And then on the opposite end, if you don't, or, you know, or if you know somebody who has a mental illness, you can better understand. And that's one takeaway that I had from it, um, is just getting in the mind of somebody who suffers from that, um, mental illness. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. I also appreciated that, you know, that's something that people never really used to talk about. And I don't know, I've not read very many books. Um, not that I've read a lot of books in the last couple of years, so I'm a little busy. <laughs> but I haven't heard of a lot of books that ta tackle that topic. 
I think they're becoming more popular. I th- mm-hmm. uh, I just read this year Eleanor Oliphant is fine. It's, Eleanor Oliphant is completely fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and that one, it's a more humorous take on mental illness, even though um, she doesn't make light of it. You see right. how serious it is by the end, but the, the book is a very fun kind mm-hmm. of book. Um, and I, I think that more people are becoming um, more willing to talk about it and write about it. And I think one of the reasons people haven't is that there's been such a stigma mm-hmm. about it. And there's so much shame when you actually struggle with mental illness as I have, and I know many other people have, you kind of don't want to tell somebody because you, it's so hard to explain. Like when you right. say I'm having anxiety and there's people who don't experience that or even who have, and they've just learned to live with it. It's, they have that sort of, okay, well, it's fine. Everything's fine. Mm-hmm. You know, there's nothing to be afraid of. Like, it's just something you're afraid of. Right. And so you, you start just feeling like, well, okay, I can't really explain this. And I just kind of feel stupid. So I'm not going to talk about it. Mm-hmm. I just won't go. I just won't go to that party because, you know, I know I'm going to feel bad and I won't be able to explain why. So I'll just stay home. Right. You know? So I think more people are, bec- are figuring out ways to talk about it. And that's one of the reasons um, I enjoyed writing the book because it helped give me language to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and more, pe- more and more people are doing that and in different ways, which is really great because I like more serious take. I think it's good to have a more a lighthearted take. Um, and I think we're going to see more books covering it in the future. Yeah. So we kind of talked a little bit about it, but um, why why mental illness? Was it because you had mentioned you'd, you'd experienced it? Was that a, a deciding factor for you in uh, changing um, the storyline from multiple sclerosis to mental health? It was. Um, I felt like it was more authentic for me to write her having mental illness than it was MS. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew that MS was, was me hiding the thing that I really wanted to talk about. Um, and I really felt like, I felt very alone when I, when I first started battling mental illness mm-hmm. and I didn't really know who to talk to, what to do about it. And um, I thought we, we need more people writing about this. Like we, I, we need people to show us that like teenagers struggle with mental illness a a lot especially Mm -hmm. today more than ever um, because the world is so big and it's it gets bigger for them faster than it got even for us in the the 90s and the Mm -hmm. early 2000s um it can be scary and all of those things you know you're not you're not emotionally ready to process them and that can lead to a lot of depression and anxiety and if you take care of it early on it can become much worse it can become chronic instead of acute Mm -hmm. um And so I felt really burdened to be honest about it and put aside my own shame and fear about talking about it um, in order to write a really authentic character and tackle a a topic that I think should be talked about more, especially Mm -hmm. among even a a Christian audience um, and a young adult audience, because Mm -hmm. I think that those are the two groups that don't talk about it enough. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, With... Was it when you were writing the, when, you know, the mental health uh, portion of your book, when you're changing it, um, at that time, were you, um, was it kind of like therapy in a sense for you to write it? Um, Because I know they say, you know, either you write what you know, or you write what 
you need to let out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Was that just, um, did it work out for you that way or? Um, it kind of, I actually, you know, a lot of people say, write what you know, but a lot of people also say, write what you don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, because that makes the writing more exciting Yeah, and, and fresh. And for me, it was a little bit of both. I knew it, but I had to learn how to talk about it. And yeah. I also had to put it in scenes that made people feel that anxiety with Lucy, which was really hard to do because sometimes you want to just use language like, um, she felt like she was going to die. She felt like she couldn't breathe. And that's important because you mm -hmm. have to let people know how she felt, but also that idea of the room spinning and like something was sucking the air out of the room. Mm -hmm. and. Um, why was her heart racing and having like Lucy kind of like think through because when you get caught in that mental trap you all you're thinking about is how bad you're feeling and you start questioning like why is this happening how can I make it stop how can I make it go away let me get out of here like if people would just go away and all of those things and so learning how to like show that was um, was fun because it was a challenge but also writing it was kind of triggering sometimes <laughs> I would start like writing the scene and I'd be like, oh, I'm kind of feeling the anxiety myself. <laughs> so it was a little both. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, like I said, it really worked because when I was reading some of those scenes, I was like, okay, I'm gonna have to take a second. <laughs> <here>. <laughs> yeah. So going back to writing, um, so one thing I remember is from when I was a student in college, um, and you, I believe you were probably getting your master's or whatever, um, you used to write very comedically and very warm, fuzzy, um, heartfelt stories. Um, the one that comes to mind is the one that was shared in the, I think it was the English writing forum where five of the professors shared their story and you shared one about your um, passport experience, <laughs> which was hilarious. Uh, was it hard for you to switch your tone from that to something more serious? Um, just because I remember reading your draft um, several years ago and I was like, oh, this is different. And it wasn't a bad different. It was just, it was just not what I was used to. Right. Um, I think your experience is what a lot of people have, or people who knew me have experienced because I don't think <laughs> I, like my mom and my aunt, I don't think that they were expecting it to be as heavy as it was. <laughs> <laughs> I'd always written kind of more comedic or just soft mm -hmm. literature, but I think, um, I think I was, I've always been expected. I have always felt not, nobody ever told me this, but I always felt like I had to bring people joy. Like I had to make people laugh. Gotcha. Um, and so that's why I wrote that, that way when you were my student, mm -hmm. but a lot of the private writing in my life at that time was more serious. I just felt embarrassed to share it. Oh, okay. And it was my MFA program when I went to Fairfield university mm -hmm. that they really helped draw that out. Like the, and also reading, um, more literary fiction like Marilyn mm -hmm. Robinson and Toni Morrison and, and all of the great writers of that, you know, caliber, they helped kind of draw that out of me and finding the balance of who, who I am and the style, the different styles that I can write in has been a really exciting experience. Like, I don't really want to be, I, 
boxed into one style. You know, I don't want to mm -hmm. just be a humor writer. I don't want to just be um, a, a literary fiction writer, you know, who has tackled really heavy topics. I want to be able to kind of just move right the different styles of writing. And I think that that is a way to keep my writing fresh mm -hmm. um, and a challenge to me because I like a challenge. So um, it wasn't really, I can see why it was a shock to you, but it wasn't a shock. <laughs> <to me. laughs> yeah. And I, I will say too, um, I think the draft that I read was very serious. Um, this, you know, the, the published version, I feel like it has a good balance of, I mean, it's not terribly happy, like, to right. be honest, it's not supposed to be, it's very realistic. Um, so I wasn't, I wasn't feeling like, oh, I'm so sad reading about Lucy and her story. I felt very, um, it, it just felt like a realistic take. Like, I felt like I was watching two people, because it's mostly about Lucy and her friend, Audra, um, just like go through life because they start when the, the book starts when she's very young. I think she's like seven or so, something like that. And it goes to adulthood. So it was kind of like just, you know, just watching these two girls grow up and see how, where life took them. I, I feel like you found a really good balance there of not being so, so heavy, um, but also not being so unrealistic um, for this topic too. Right. Thanks. I, that was really, it was very hard to try to come, to get to that, that point. Mm -hmm. So I yeah. appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause I mean, sometimes people take it, take a topic that can be heavy and they make it way too heavy and you're just right. like, oh, okay, <laughs> good. Or they take something like that. And then it's like too happy. Like everything's wrapped up in a really pretty bow. Um, and that's another thing I appreciated about this book is at the end, it's not necessarily wrapped up in a bow, but you see that there's, there's like a relief there for, yes. for Lucy. Mm -hmm. um, and you know that she's always going to have this struggle, but she also has that hope at the end um, mm -hmm. where she was really struggling with that throughout the book for various reasons that we won't give away at this time. But um, I really like that. I really like the realisticness of the book. So, yeah. Thank you. Um, so we have several aspiring writers in our group um, and among our listeners as well. Um, what is one piece of advice you would give someone who's beginning the journey, aside from right in the morning? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I really, I strongly advise getting into a writing group. Mm -hmm. um, I loved my MFA program just because I had people reading my, my work and giving me feedback on it. And that doesn't always mean the feedback you get is great. Mm -hmm. um, like some workshops that I sat in were much more helpful than others. And some mentors um, for those workshops, you know, had more insight than others or, or just different insight. Um, mm -hmm. Some of it was more immediately applicable and some of it was kind of long-term applicable. Uh, but having that kind of feedback is just, it's so good. And it's so helpful to have somebody say, um, I really enjoyed reading this. Like I was hooked from the first word and really helpful to have the opposite when somebody says, I just couldn't get into it, you mm -hmm. know, because that, that lets you gauge like what's happening in your writing. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I strongly suggest getting into a group and um, your group may be somebody on par with your writing, but try to get people who are both the audience that you're writing to and people who help you write up, like who are, who are going to, you know, pull you up instead right. of just letting you stay on your 
plateau. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right, right, right. Yeah, I mean, it's super important just because, you know, you don't know what you don't know. Right. You know, and there, there's always that other perspective that mm-hmm. people provide, even if it's something that's like, ooh, this is not good. <laughs> I also really I strongly suggest having um, a constant mentality of learning, like always mm-hmm. learning and like read craft books, listen to craft lectures, go to craft talks or, or readings. Um, Anne Lamott actually mm-hmm. came to Cincinnati last uh, last year or two years ago. Wow, time flies. Um, and it was just enjoyable to sit and listen to her talk about writing and talk about her writing life. Um, you get a little burst of inspiration and you just learn from it. Mm-hmm. Um, and along with that, of course, read. A, lo- a lot of people want to be writers, but they don't like reading. And that's that doesn't really work. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's, it's very true. It's very, very true. I mean, I think when I was younger, because I was reading so much, mm-hmm. I was writing a ton more. And then now as an adult and I'm like, okay, I want to write a book. And I'm like, yeah. I've read like three books this year. That's not good. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And also I mean, when you read, a lot of the times good ideas come because you've read a book and you love something so much that you wanted more of it. And that's not mm-hmm. necessarily fan fiction, but it's taking that thing that you love and expounding a new version of that idea Mm -hmm. uh, because it really resonated with you and the author you know they put that in the story because you know they thought it was important or maybe they just got lucky and put that in and you were lucky enough to read it Um, but I think that a lot of the good writing that comes into the world is the result of reading other people's what they have written and being inspired and saying hey I like that idea I think I could do that better in this way Mm-hmm. Right. I think I could take that that little nugget that they put in there and I can, you know, I don't know if you plant nuggets, the seed, put, put <laughs> it in the ground and right. I can grow a big garden out of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's not, I mean, there's nothing new under the sun, as they right. say, and it's just a different perspective. Right. So that's, that's pretty, that's good. I know the other thing everybody always tells us is just to just do it. Yes, I'll say that. <laughs> just write something um which is my struggle I'm just maybe I'm maybe I'm just the the notebook person I don't know I don't know we'll see it is also NaNoWriMo I don't even know how to pronounce it National Novel Writing Month of November so I've seen some people um I've never done that. I've, I've always, every year I think I'm going to do it next year. And then it always creeps up on me and I'm like, oh my goodness, I've got too much on my plate to do that. <laughs> <laughs> but a lot of people like they'll set really high goals. Like I'm going to write 5,000 words a day. And I'm like, who are you? What right. You <laughs> yeah. I think it's 50,000 for, for this challenge. Wow. I just, that's incredible. Yeah. And my friend was like, you should do it. And I'm like, from what time? I think I'll do like maybe 10,000, <laughs> 2,500 words a week for four weeks. I think that's better than 50,000. That's like, that's a lot of, that's a lot of words, you know, yeah. so super fun. Um, so do you have any other novels in the work or is there anything else you can tease that's coming up for you? Well, I, I do have 
three novels in the work. <laughs> oh, wow. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's nice though, because whenever I kind of get bored with one, I just kind of mm -hmm. switch over to the other. Um, or if I just need a break from one or whatever. Yeah. One is the one that I've been working on the least. It's still very much in the idea phase is uh, along the same tone, different topic entirely, but same tone as below than the horizon. Mm -hmm. um, but the other is a children's book oh. around um, middle grade fiction. Mm -hmm. That one is the one that I'm having a blast. I, I, I really love that story. I already love the characters so much. <laughs> oh. And um, the third one is young adult fantasy actually oh okay yeah I'm, I'm uh it's it's going to be set in the real world kind of like a harry potter idea mm -hmm. where it's in the real world but there's this other world that you just don't see right yeah um, that's all i can say about that for now <laughs> oh that's fine and that's also really different than um below them the horizon and like other things I've read of yours like the, yeah. the comedic part um but fantasy that's really exciting yeah, it's really fun to write and very it's very challenging which mm -hmm. I I love a challenge so yeah. do you see any of those books becoming series I do see the um the fantasy book being a series probably probably a trilogy okay but what I really want to do with that one that um, I've never done before is have short stories that kind of connect to the main trilogy and publish the short stories in different fantasy magazines or fiction magazines. Oh. Just, just kind of like build a fan base mm -hmm. story and just see how that goes. So yeah, that's super exciting. We'll have yeah. to stay tuned for more. Do you know when about when they'll be? released or oh well the first book i have i have twenty eight thousand words on the first book and it'll probably be about a hundred thousand words and of course i'm sure many words will be deleted and yeah. along the way <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> right all right and also you had i know you had mentioned um that below them the horizon was supposed to be about multiple sclerosis are you going to tackle that topic because i mean you have so much knowledge of it now um, is that something you'll go back to? Um, I hope to in the future. Right now, I don't have a story set. Mm -hmm. I don't have any kind of anything for that in my head just now. Um, I do think it's an important topic that isn't written about enough mm -hmm. um, because so many women do have MS and a lot of women um, often get it after they have, after a pregnancy, mm -hmm. about pregnancy kind of just sparks that in them. Mm -hmm. Um, or draws it out or something. So I, I do think that it's an important topic to get to. Um, I just don't have one. I don't want to force it before it's ready. Right. Yes. I, yes, I completely understand that. <laughs> but it's still brewing. It's still in the back of your head. Yes. Actually, I think one of our hosts, um, she has multiple sclerosis too. So I know that's something that's really um, important for her. Um, and like just awareness of a lot of these different things. So yeah, well, we look forward to seeing what comes down the pipeline for you and your writing career. It's super exciting. And um, I don't know, I was 
I told Dan, I was like, look at this book that I just got. Remember Miss Allnut from college? <laughs> she wrote a book. It's so pretty. And the cover is like super gorgeous. Like my computer doesn't show it justice, but it's really pretty. I love the cover. Thank you. I also love it. It's like my favorite color, teal. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> and very, very like accurate to the golf too. Mm -hmm. I was like, now this is pretty awesome, but yay. Alrighty. So we have a little fun segment. We usually do some like teen beat type thing. Um, but this is the author version because you're an author. So um, fun, quick questions. What are you reading now? Wow. I'm reading three different books. Um, two of my colleagues who also graduated from Fairfield University also had their debut novels published this fall. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, Brooke Adams Law just published her book, Catchlight. Okay. Um, Stephanie Harper just published Wesley Yorstead Goes Outside. And um, that book, Wesley Yorstead Goes Outside, also deals with mental illness. He's agoraphobic. Um, so I'm looking, I've only read the first few pages of that so far. Um, and also, he's already a very interesting character. Mm -hmm. um, Agoraphobic meaning fear of people? The fear of leaving your house because you might have an anxiety attack. Oh, okay. Hmm. Yeah, so if you've ever, have you ever seen the movie Nim's Island? No, no. I think Abigail, I think it's Abigail. Abigail Breslin? Yeah. So um, Jodie Foster plays a writer who's agoraphobic. She doesn't leave her house for anything. Like she opens her door, like people deliver her food or her mail and she like sticks a hand out and like quickly pulls it in. And then she comes in and she's like bathing in hand sanitizer. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, interesting. Yeah, no, it reminds me of another movie that I saw. This one's more of an indie film. It's at home by myself with you. Mm -hmm. um and this girl so she was pretty fearless when she was younger um and her mom told her like don't get side go don't go outside because somebody's gonna die and like every time she goes outside when she's younger somebody like something tragic happens like um her her dad died because she was on the boat with him and like a lobster bit her finger and then he was trying to get her off and then he flew out overboard it's, it's a little it's kind of bonkers but it's also kind of fun and then like in high school she has her first kiss with her boyfriend but she had a peanut butter sandwich and he goes into anaphylactic shock so he oh, dies no. and then there's like a there was a thunderstorm or something and then like she threw her dog out the window by accident or like jumped off the balcony I don't really remember but like all these little things contribute to her just staying in her apartment yeah she like has to have people open the boxes for her and like she people are bringing her her stuff and it's just like through her it's her journey of mm -hmm. um like I don't know like dealing with that it's it's a kind of a fun bonkers kind of movie, but you also, um, you also, if you have anxiety, um, you also kind of relate to it too, because yeah. it is, it is a little far-fetched, but at the same time, you're like, I, I kind of totally get you. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Because <laughs> when you see it on the screen, it's like, that would never happen. It's so ridiculous. But in your head, that kind of stuff can happen. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> right or the feeling of like how um the character was feeling I was like oh yes completely like 
bonkers, but I, I get you. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah. So, so those two books, and then were you reading a third one? Did you say? Oh yeah. I'm also reading the, the second jungle book. So I didn't realize until this year, and I'm 34, that um, Rudyard Kipling's The Jungle Book mm-hmm. was actually two books. It's oh. the Jungle Book and the second Jungle Book. Oh. But usually they're published as one. And so I'm on the second. And actually the first, which I just finished, um, I think last month, um, it's so good. I, I highly recommend reading The Jungle Book. It's very different from the Disney versions. Actually, the live action one is the new the new live action Jungle mm-hmm. Book that Disney just made a couple of years ago. That one is actually a short one of the short stories in the Jungle Book. Oh, so it's more of a collection of short stories, and they don't all have to do with Mowgli. Mm-hmm. Um, Ricky Tikki Tavi is a short story in mm-hmm. the first one. It's just really enjoyable. I, I love his his storytelling style. It just, yeah. he just really gets you in. Yeah. Yeah, that's been a long time since I've read Ricky Tiki Tabby. And he's so precious. Like, I've never wanted a mongoose more than when I read. <laughs> I mean, I didn't even want a mongoose until I read it. <laughs> <laughs> that's fun. Yeah, I'll have to go. I don't know. I'll have to go get the books or whatever and read them to the girls at night. Um, just because I'm like rediscovering all these things that I remember as a child. Like I remember the first Jungle Book or there being one outside of the movie. Like, I don't even know if I've seen the whole movie of the Disney Jungle Book, but I mean, I definitely remember Ricky Tiki Tavi. Um, and I remember that being a book, but it's been so long since I was a child. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, and I'll have to go check out the other two authors too um, and see that, check out their stuff. That sounds fun. I'm trying to. Um, my goal for 2021 and forward is to um, read more fiction mm-hmm. and not just like basic fiction. Because in high school and in college, I was very like stuck in the Christian fiction, like yeah. typical world, um, yeah. just because it was fluffy and I was very idealistic. And then I got burned out because I got bored. Um, so I've avoided a lot of fiction just because I'm like a lot of my friends don't read a lot and I'm like I don't know what's out here and what's going (laughs) so trying to branch out and read different genres and all that so to do that all right the next fun question is fiction or nonfiction? well both (laughs) (laughs) is it fiction um, yeah, mostly fiction. Mostly I mean, I fiction. like a nonfiction book. Like, I like, I like reading craft books. I like memoirs. Um, I read Julie Andrews, her second memoir. I read her first one back when it, I think it came out in 2014. Mm-hmm. I think. And then her second one came out, I think, late last year. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I remember that. I really, I really enjoy mm-hmm. a good memoir. Um, I like essays, collections of essays, but mostly I just love fiction. I'm, I'm totally here for fiction. Yeah. <laughs> Library or bookstore? Bookstore. E-reader or physical book? Definitely physical book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I will say this, the um, Kindle and uh, e-book version of Below Than the Horizon just came out on Sunday. <gasps> oh. So if you know anybody who only reads digital versions, you can 
let them know it is now available on digital. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm all for a physical book. I, my attention is kept longer in a physical book. I don't know if it's because I'm smelling the paper subconsciously and I'm holding yeah. something, but there's just uh, something about it. Yeah. A, an actual book, like the smell and the feel and like, no, like being able to feel the page, like you have this much when you start and then you're like, you know, it's all on this side. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I will say too, though, I will admit if there's a book that I've been waiting for and I just can't wait for it I will buy it and read it on my app like my Kindle app just because I'm too impatient <laughs> so it's like the convenience factor but in all actuality I love the physical book right um so I think we all kind of answered this already but computer or pen and paper computer yeah um okay the next one there's only one right answer maybe Oxford comma or no Oxford comma Oxford comma what's wrong with the world <laughs> use the comma <laughs> <laughs> what is your go-to writing snack coffee ah uh, yes coffee it's a good one got yeah. mine right here <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> if you could pick what is your favorite book or series oh wow oh man I don't think I could I could pick I have So this one is so basic, but I love Little Women. I love that story so much. <laughs> I think that's probably one of my favorite stories. And I think just, just it just resonates with me because I have two sisters mm -hmm. um, and we're, we're all, we still are very close to our parents. Um, I don't know, we, we watched the movie with my mom mm -hmm. when we were growing up. I don't know, I just love it. It's just, it's a feel good book. Yeah. Um, I've also really gotten into, um, I don't know, so many other authors. I really love reading Marilyn Robinson. She gets some, she can be, her writing can be really heavy sometimes mm -hmm. emotionally, but just like, she's very intelligent, very intellectual. And so like you read slower when you read hers, but mm -hmm. I think she's brilliant. Um, I read the graveyard book for the first time this year by Neil Gaiman. Um, it's actually, it's one of those books that's technically written to a young audience, but even adults love that book. Mm -hmm. And it's parallel to the jungle book. So oh. instead of a baby being raised into manhood by the jungle animals, there's mm -hmm. a baby raised into adulthood by the graveyard ghosts. So oh, it's really neat. It's really, yeah. it's a beautiful book. I loved it. Mm -hmm. Huh. Interesting to look that one up too. It sounds intriguing. Yeah. It's very intriguing. Yeah. And almost perfect for like the October and Halloween and November yeah. time, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and yes, Little Women, that is definitely a classic. <laughs> <laughs> And final question, since this is the Hallmarkies podcast, what is your favorite Hallmark movie? You know, um, I loved the Hallmark, what were they called? I don't think they make them anymore. The Hallmark. The Hallmark Hall of Fames? Yes, those. Yes. I love Sarah Plain and Tall. That's one of my fa all-time favorite Hallmark movies. Yes. And it yes. was based on book, which I also read. <laughs> <laughs> 
So I think that was my very first Hallmark movie I saw, but I was a kid and I didn't like it. And I think it's because I liked the book. Uh (laughs) But then I, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I went back and I watched part of it because I think I caught it on TV and there was nothing else on. I was like, I need to watch this as an adult from an adult perspective. And I was like, this is so good. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. I was a kid. Um, I think that was also my first Hallmark movie, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, I I thought Christopher Walken was so scary. And I was like, I wish you could just like have a family with the kids and not have to marry him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. I know, but I, I think it's such a beautiful story. Mm-hmm. It's just a good one. Yeah, yeah. And there's three. It's a part of the trilogy. Yeah, I know. Yeah. The first two are both good. I didn't really care for the third one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I think I've seen bits and pieces of all of them just because I, I don't know, I've just not had time to sit down and find it. I just don't think of that. But yeah, I'll have to put it on my list of things to actually watch all the way through because it is a beautiful story. It's very, I don't know, um, like you got the the prairie and you have the widower and you have like the romance and you have like the children who are obnoxious at first and you know it's like a perfect recipe it's a perfect hallmark movie <laughs> yes. and i've always loved the, i think his name's caleb the little boy mm-hmm. i've always loved his how he wanted a harmonica because it would be a little music in his pocket i've oh. loved mine ever <laughs> since i heard it <laughs> super fun. Well, Laura, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. It was a lot of fun to get to know you and your writing now and looking forward to seeing what else you have in store. Do you have any um, social media that you want to shout out where people can follow you? Yeah, I, I'm on Instagram and Twitter and it's just my full name, Laura Allnut. Awesome. Uh, A-L-L, two L's and U-T-T. If you want to find me that way. Um, and yeah, I would, I'd love to see you there. Yeah. And then don't forget Hallmarkies, go get Laura's book below them, the horizon, and it is available on digital. So go get that too. We will see you guys next week. Bye. Bye.